Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and you tune in today because you're sick of trying every fad diet under the sun and training yourself into the ground without seeing any results. That's why I'm here, to share the most effective ways to eat and train for sustainable and real results. What's up, legends? Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, and this is part one of a part two Instagram Q&A episode that I'm going to be doing. Um, I just put up on my story the other day that I wanted to record a couple of podcasts before I fly over to Bali, head over there in a couple of days for a fitness retreat with uh, Journey Retreats and the Keep It Cleaner Girls over in Uluwatu, which is going to be um, a load of fun. Can't have, um, you know, I actually can't wait to head over. It's going to be great. Um, and I'm going to spend another week over there after that I'm um, just relaxing and enjoying some time away and in the sun, which is going to be fantastic. But I wanted to get these two episodes done to make sure I have content for you guys. Um, so today what I'm going to do is answer probably roughly five to six um, of the questions that I got through Instagram for part one of this Q&A, which is going to be this episode. And then next week, I'll do part two. Now, I am at the moment, in between clients. So I've got an hour to record these podcasts and I'm going to keep this very, very casual because one, I think they run a little bit smoother and it's a bit more enjoyable for me um, when it's not as structured. And two, uh, the questions that I've got here, just up on my phone, I'm just going to scroll through. I haven't even read through them yet. I know there are some good ones there. Um, well, I hope so anyway. Otherwise, you guys are in for a shit time. <laughs> but we'll start with question one. Um and this has actually come up a lot just reading through this now. So thought you could chat about shift work, sleep, food cravings, and how these impact exercise, health, and ideas to combat these. Um, this is a good question. As I said, it has come up a lot lately. Um, so let's start with that one. So when it comes to nutrition and, and sticking to a certain way of eating or sticking to your meals when you are a shift worker, I know there are a lot of people out there that probably think it's, it's quite difficult but in my eyes, I think it is no different to anyone else. Yes, I obviously completely understand that the time of the day that you're working or the time of the day that you're waking up and going to sleep is completely different to everyone else. It's way out of whack. Um, and you know, it's not something that I actually have to do, clearly. Um, I'm up early and, and kind of home late, but I work same pretty much same times every single day. I'm not working, not working over overnight and stuff like that. But in my eyes... If you are following your macros, if you're following flexible dieting, even if you um, even if you eat in a different way, such as vegan, paleo, low carb, what you know, it doesn't matter. What intermittent fasting, whatever it is, we have a set amount of calories and protein minimum, ideally, that we're aiming for for that day. So, regardless of what hours of the day that you're awake, whether it's fucking daylight or whether it's nighttime you have that intake that you need to use up. And I like to refer to it like a financial budget. So if you look at that budget at the start of the day or the start of the hours that you're awake, regardless of whether you're waking up at eight in the morning or waking up at eight at night, you still have that same intake that needs to be had by the time you go back to sleep. So you just need to plan your meals the same way as you normally would. So if you don't feel like having breakfast food at night because you're waking up at night, then don't have breakfast food. Calories are still calories. It doesn't matter whether you have breakfast first thing in the morning or whether you have it at night. It's still food. Food is food. So by the time you go back to sleep, you should have had your calorie intake for the day. If you're in a, de- a 
trying to lose fat, you're eating in a calorie deficit. If you're trying to gain muscle mass or gain weight, you're in a calorie surplus. Otherwise, you're eating at maintenance. You're reaching your protein minimum, which for most people, I recommend at least two grams of protein per kilo of body weight. And that's it. That's all there is to it. You want to make sure you're staying hydrated. I think that's one thing that comes up a lot in my coaching group for those that are on shift work is that they struggle or, I guess, neglect water and don't have enough water throughout the day, um, throughout the night. And by the end of the day, they're just dehydrated. They haven't had enough. And it does have a very negative effect um, on our energy levels, on our water retention, on our performance, skin, sleep, mood, everything. Um, You know, people tend to get headaches and all that type of stuff as well. So... Um, I think for shift workers, the biggest thing as well I find, um, again, going back to my coaching group is that a lot of people aren't preparing their meals. So if you're failing to prepare, you're preparing to fail. I know that's very cliche, but it's true. So if you are a shift worker, then maybe you look at having your main meals prepared a few days before and cook them cook it up for a few days so you know that when you go to work if you wake up late or if you're rushed or you just don't know what to have you've got meals ready to go you know how many calories are in them and then you fit the rest of your meals or your calories around those meals like i said before it's like a financial budget just as you would budget your money you got to budget your calories for the day and make sure you don't go over so if you know you're going to be hungrier later in the day or later in the night whenever you're working then make sure you save up some calories for later in that eating period um, if you're someone that likes a big breakfast um, you know like myself at the moment I'm having a big breakfast and a big dinner and then usually some form of dessert lunch is usually quite light and during the day I'm just having snacks or protein shakes to fill in those gaps and fill in the rest of my calories uh, because I've been quite busy at work so I just work my food around my day um, you know you, you should not be working your life or your food wait your food should work around your life your life should not work around your food that's it um, so if you have got shift work then just make sure you fit those calories in in that time that you are awake before you go back to bed don't overanalyze it don't overthink it it's not the end of the world if you're eating breakfast and it's fucking midnight it does not matter at all um, but if you are really struggling then the best advice that I could probably give is to just put together a meal plan that fits your calorie intake and stick to it every single time that you're awake if you've got shift work or not stick to that meal plan so you know it's going to be consistent um, that's probably my best recommendation um, for you guys Question number two, can you talk about the difference between fat burn and cardio burn when it comes to tracking workouts? Now, I'm not 100% sure um, what that actually means, but I think what this is referring to, um, and you know, I think I've actually talked about this on the podcast before, but with Fitbits, so it tracks how much energy you're burning throughout the session. Now, a lot of people will come to me and say, well, look, I work out four days a week. On those four days, I burn this many calories. I should be eating this amount of food if I want to be in a calorie deficit. But keep in mind that you've got to take into account the fact that you are burning energy from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep and probably even more when, you eat, when you're sleeping than when you're sitting there doing nothing when you're awake. So we want to work out our calorie intake going off an average for the week, not just going off the calories that we're burning in our circuit class or while we're doing weights or while we go for a run. Now, I've mentioned this on the show before 100%. When we're tracking our macros, if we're using an app such as MyFitnessPal, if to be in a calorie deficit, our calorie target is, an example might be 2,500 calories, and that day in our gym session, we burn 800 calories. 
We don't then eat that 800 calories back on top of 2,500 uh, because we burnt it in our session. Otherwise, all of a sudden, we're no longer in a calorie deficit, okay? That just cancels out that calorie deficit. So instead, we stick to our 2,500 for the week, for a few weeks, and if we start to notice that we are losing fat at too fast of a rate or if we're not losing fat at all, then we make an adjustment then, regardless of how much energy expenditure you are having in certain or particular training sessions that really is completely irrelevant to be perfectly honest um, obviously if the trend is that you're burning a lot more energy than what you thought you were and you're putting yourself in more of a calorie deficit or you're doing the opposite you're not burning anywhere near as much um, then you need to adjust your calorie intake accordingly but i would just keep it the same seven days per week regardless um, of what days you're training so if you've got an off day you still have the same amount of calories that you have on a training day in my opinion unless you have been tracking macros and calories for a long time and you really know your body well or you're extremely lean and you're looking at doing some form of carbohydrate um, or calorie cycling okay uh, another question here is how do we incorporate family lunches slash dinners into our macros? Um, I find myself skipping out on family roasts and barbecues because I'm worried about tracking macros. This is a, an actual fucking fantastic question because it gets brought up all the time um, and um, it's probably something that I haven't talked about enough and that has given me a fantastic idea to talk about in tomorrow's email. So thank you to Oscar Wilkinson um, for that question. So... If you're someone that lives at home or you're someone that has your family, your parents, your mom, your dad, whoever it is, cooking dinner for you each and every night, which if you live at home is a very likely possibility, um, especially if you're a little bit younger and you still want to track your macros and your calories and see some form of results um, and, and be able to do flexible dieting, then you can definitely still do that. You may need to uh, you know, adjust the amounts that you're eating from the meals or even just have a quick guesstimation of what, what is in the actual meal that you're having. But if it's a very basic uh, meal where there's minimal ingredients, it's as easy as just adding the ingredients in individually by themselves. Okay, So if, if mum comes to you in the morning and goes, look, tonight we're having um, chicken, roast veggies and some potato or sweet potato, then it's as easy as just looking at or just eyeballing and guessing how much chicken there is how much veggies there is if you're tracking your vegetables and how much potato there is and then you may be adding your factor in the fact that your mum's use some oil as well add that into your macros easy as now if you have no fucking idea how much is in the meal that you're having then that's also fine what you're going to do is create a calorie buffer now, what I mean by this is we open up our tracking app in the morning. The first thing that you are going to do is go to dinner and put in a random meal that is roughly, most of the time, I would say between five and 800 calories or five and 700 calories. doesn't matter what the meal is. You're just going to add that in there. Now, we work the rest of our day around that. So by the time we get to dinner, we're not stressing out about the fact that we've got no calories left for dinner. Mum's cooked this beautiful roast and I can't eat it because I've eaten pretty much all of my calories for the day. By putting something in early in the morning and working the rest of our day around it, if anything, we're actually going to be under our calorie intake or at least close to it, even if it's not 100% accurate. But by working, you know, by adding in your meals as you go, and that's a mistake that I see a lot of people make with flexible dieting, and I think I actually spoke about it um, in, a, in a previous episode. If you are adding in meals as you go throughout the day to your app, um, which is not something that I would really recommend unless you've been doing tracking for a long time. You're going to get to a point where you get to dinner time, you're absolutely starving and you've had pretty much all your calories for the day. 
Yeah, and that's a shit situation to be in if you haven't been in it before. So instead of doing that, guys, just create that calorie buffer. And I do this now, even you know, even if I'm not living at home, I don't have mum and dad cooking me meals every day. But if I know I'm going out for dinner and I still don't know what I'm going out for dinner for, but I have a rough idea of how many calories I'm probably going to eat, I'll just go into my app at the start of the day, plug in a meal that's roughly around the same calories. Um, you know, I might have a look at the macros and kind of guess what I think they're going to be, chuck it in and then work the rest of the day around it just as I would like a financial budget as I mentioned before. If you know you're going to spend a big sum of cash um, and you've only got X amount left, then you just got to make do with what you've got left over and work the rest of your, your day around that or your week or your month or whatever you're looking at financially. But in terms of calories it's absolutely no different but that is a really good question because a lot of people use it use that as an excuse as to why they can't track macros and calories um, but it's actually so much easier than what people make it out to be um, okay I'm not gonna answer that one it's probably a bit more business related that's um, best weighted exercises to do in the gym for weight loss. Now, this question, look, there's no such thing as exercises that are going to make you lose fat. There's no such thing as exercises that are going to make you magically build muscle, okay? Just like there's no such thing as fat loss food and there's no such thing as muscle building food. It just does not work like that, unfortunately. It would be, guys, let me tell you, my job would be so much easier if I could just say, okay, go home and eat this meal, this meal, and this meal, and tomorrow you will be shredded. These foods make you shredded. These foods make you fat. Avoid those. Eat these. Easy as. I'd be the best fucking coach in the world. doesn't work like that. Same as exercise. Unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. We know we can't spot reduce fat. So if you're doing endless amounts of crunches in the gym because you want better abs, then you are wasting your time, my friend, and I'd probably find something better to do with the last 15 minutes of your session. But when it comes to trying to lose weight with certain exercises, it doesn't. you can't do that with certain exercises. Instead, obviously, if you've listened to the podcast before, focus on eating in a calorie deficit over an extended period of time. That is what's going to get you that fat loss result. The exercises in the gym, I would still highly recommend sticking to compound movements, especially for the first part of your session and focusing on progressive overload. So over time, doing more reps, more weight, more sets, um, or doing it easier or slowing down the tempo or changing the variations or you know the intensity of, of that exercise or the set in particular. But sticking to compound movements that are using multiple um, joints, multiple muscle groups that are going to be burning more energy than isolation exercises. So if you're trying to lose fat and you're trying to put yourself in a calorie deficit, you're not doing too much cardio um, and you're coming into the gym and just doing all, you know, doing bicep curls, tricep pushdowns, leg extensions, all the machine stuff that's just quite easy to do then you're not going to be expending much energy. You're going to be making your job a lot harder or you're going to be making your goal a lot harder to achieve. So instead, focus on compound movements. Some of my favorites are the squat, deadlift, lunges, you know, overhead presses, pull-ups, all these movements that are using multiple joints, multiple muscle groups. Um, they're, they're what's going to give you the most bang for your buck in terms of energy expenditure. Now, when it comes to cardio, this is probably a whole nother episode in itself, and I'm sure I've probably done it um, before. I'm losing track of what I've spoken about in the past, but uh, cardio is, should be used as a tool to increase your energy expenditure. So running on the treadmill doesn't make you lose fat. Jumping on the cross trainer doesn't make you lose fat. Skipping does not make you lose fat. Boxing does not make you lose fat. Swimming does make you lose fat. Nah, it's kidding to see who is actually listening. Swimming does not make you lose fat. 
being in a negative energy balance makes you lose body fat consistently, okay? And if that means that by adding in some running, you're going to increase your energy expenditure, which then puts you in a negative energy balance, then that's fantastic. But the activity itself of doing cardio doesn't burn fat, okay? And that's really important to understand. If you're not in a negative energy balance, you will not be losing body fat, okay? And I've done this case study before where I trained for a half marathon. I went from doing... 15 to 20 minutes of high intensity interval training per week to doing up to three, four hours of running per week um, on some weeks leading into the run. And I purposely ate more than I needed to be eating to make sure that I gained a little bit of weight to show people that even though I was doing an absolute shit ton of cardio compared to what I was used to, I still gained weight because I was eating too many calories. And that's just how it works. And most of the time, that's the problem a lot of people have is that they're trying to lose fat. They think they're doing all the right things with their training, but they're not focusing on their food. And it takes two to tango. So um, I'm pretty stoked with the fact that I just came up with that saying right on the spot. So um, I'd like some recognition there at some point. That'd be fantastic. Um, But if you're eating well and not training well, you have no structure in your training and you're inconsistent, then you won't see results. And likewise, you can train your ass off, but you're not eating accordingly, and do do not expect to see results. Next question is, I'm going to answer two more of these questions, guys, and keep this to about 20 to 25 minutes, um, and I'll do part two straight away as well, and which you guys will listen to next week, but are pre-workouts dangerous? Um, what do we need to try and look out for or avoid? Um That's a good question. Um, Pre-workouts themselves, if they're a high-quality brand, a reputable brand, um, you know, just to name a couple that um, that I tend to use, I like Swift Supplements, I like Muscle Nation, um, EHP Labs have been fantastic to me as well. There's a number of, you know, Ghost, they're some supplement companies that I tend to gravitate towards, but if it's a reputable company, then pre-workouts themselves are not dangerous as such, but... As is anything, you know, too much of something can, to a, to a degree, be dangerous if you have too much of it, especially when we're talking about caffeine and stimulants and stuff like that. So if it's a good brand, you know, I think it is still important once once you reach the end of a tub, so you finish off your tub of pre-workout, it's probably ideal to have a week or two off pre-workout before you have it again, um, not only for your health or your caffeine sensitivity, but also just because it just gives you that mental break and, and it makes you realize as well that it's probably more so a placebo um, a lot of the time in terms of feeling like you need it before a training session to train well. Otherwise, you're going to train like shit. And for, you know, that's not how it works. And I, I get caught in that trap all the time. I have way too much coffee throughout the day. It's just a habit now. I know that it's really not doing too much for me in terms of making me not tired, but it's just habit. So ideally, I should probably be you know, cycling off caffeine a little bit more than what I actually am, but I don't. Um, but unless you're having an absurd amount of caffeine per day, absurd amount of pre-workout and overdoing the dosages, then I don't think it is dangerous. Um, again, unless you're using a brand that is not necessarily truthful with what's in the supplement itself, um, then obviously you're in a bit of strife. But if you're sticking to reputable brands, then you are going to be fine. Um, the next question we have here, and this will wrap up today's episode, is how to get out of a slump and get your motivation back. And I sent an email out about this one yesterday to my email list. Um, and the answer to that was like, look, firstly, I think it's important to understand that nobody 
is motivated year round. Nobody is constantly motivated and never falls out of um, that state of being motivated. That's just not how it works. There's days where I wake up and I just can't be fucked. There's weeks where I, I just can't find my mojo. There's months where I feel like things aren't really clicking and I'm not that motivated to push forward with my training. And, um, you know, I, I still get the job done, but it doesn't mean that I'm motivated to do it. But what I find helps when I am feeling that lack of motivation is firstly writing down your goals, physically writing down what your goals are. Um, and that may mean revisiting previous goals and setting new ones, maybe just going over the ones that you're currently focusing on or just making yourself more conscious of them, um, which is, again, why I like to write down my goals daily. I find this helps a lot. Um, the next thing is to keep yourself accountable by telling someone else about your goals. I think this can be extremely beneficial. It helps you stay motivated when other people know about your goals. Um, other than that, guys, um, with motivation, it may be a matter of figuring out your why, figuring out your purpose and, and going back to why you started in the first place. Like, Why was this initially your goal to lose body fat? Why was it your goal to build muscle mass? Why was it your goal to run every second day? And figure that out and if that is still a goal of yours, if there is an actual reason, if there's a purpose, then you'll find that motivation again. If there's not, then you may not and that's all, that's all good as well. It may be time for you to reassess your goals. Now, on the other side of that, it may be due to the fact that you've been overdoing it, okay? Um, one of the, I guess you could call it symptoms of overtraining is lack of motivation so it may be a matter of just taking some downtime taking a day or two off taking a week off um, and getting your motivation back i always know if there's times where i can't train or there's days where um, you know or weeks or whatever that i don't eat as well from away traveling and my training's not as good as what i'd like it to be i'm so fired up to get back into my normal routine that my motivation goes through the roof um, i also find when i train with a training partner or um, if i work with a coach for a period of time that helps me as well. That motivates me to train better, um, working around people that are like-minded or, or in a better position than what I am. It motivates me to do more and to improve my own self um, as well. So I think that's important that you give yourself um, either a mental and physical break and then come back um, or find your motivation by putting yourself or surrounding yourself with other people that are in a similar position or better than you at the moment. And you know, when I say better than you, obviously don't mean as a person better than you. Um, but in terms of where they currently are with their progress, if they're doing things that you strive to be doing, then that can be extremely motivating for you um, as well. Look, and as I said, I think the most important thing to understand is that motivation will come and go. But if you have a purpose, if you know your why, then eventually it'll come back and that passion will always be there. You just need to wait for it to come back and that's fine. Um, take advantage of those periods where you do have that motivation um, to really push and to see those results. Now, that is part one of this Instagram Q&A. So, I hope you have enjoyed that. I'm going to save some more questions for part two. But if you have taken some value from the answers of today's questions, feel free to screenshot this podcast episode on your phone and post it on your Instagram story within the next 30 seconds, please, uh, and tag myself and tag any of your friends that you think could be benefit could benefit from this episode we'd love to get some feedback on um, today's show hope you're having a fantastic day uh, i enjoyed recording this episode and now i'm going to get next week's ready for you guys as well so you don't miss out on any content while i'm away so again thanks for tuning in subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and i look forward to chatting to you again in the next episode